by us coming together instead of being torn apart over really silly things to me is skin color because skin color is just that it's skin deep we need to come together we need to get past this come on now let's get post-racial and start looking at who's really controlling us and start opting out in passive ways i don't think it has to be aggressive Welcome to the Cosmic Keys Podcast. This is going to be your episode for the week of August 26th, 2019 to September 1st, 2019. On today's show, we have an awesome interview with podcaster and YouTube artist Nish from the podcast Nox Mente. Nox Mente is a great show, one of my favorites, and Nish is Quite a pleasure to chat with. She's super interesting, and we have a very free-flowing and like passionate conversation that covers a lot of ground. But before we get there, we're going to do our weekly forecast section. And, and before we even get into the forecast, we need to announce another giveaway because we love you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we love you guys so much that we wanted to do another giveaway for you all, so... What we're going to be giving away is a oracle deck. This is called the Raven's Wand Oracle. It's a super fun deck, really witchy, has a lot of kind of like cards with animals and a lot of like spiritual fairies. It's kind of girly a bit, I'm not going to lie, but I love it. So we're going to be giving out that oracle deck. And we're also going to be giving out a book. This is a book called Goddess at Home. And it's really a book that helps you design your home, like your interiors, your space around the Greek goddesses. So definitely an awesome book if you are interested in interior design or if you are interested in the Greek pantheon. So in order to enter the giveaway, all you have to do is go on iTunes uh, for the Cosmic Keys and leave us a iTunes review because iTunes reviews actually really help out the show a lot. So all you have to do is go onto the Cosmic Keys iTunes and write a short review, tell us what you think of the show, and then be sure to include either your Instagram handle or your Twitter handle. That way, if you are the winner, we'll have a way to contact you and let you know you won. And the winner is gonna be announced next week, so you only have one week to enter in the giveaway so ready set go and if you have already written us a itunes review it's really easy to edit the review to add your instagram or twitter handle because we know there are already some reviews up there and you guys are just as eligible to win these great prizes so just go in edit the review add the handle and then you're good to go so best of luck to all of our listeners that want to participate in that this week Yeah, and definitely you're going to want to stay tuned for next week's episode when we announce the winner. So So for for the forecast then, we drew the three of cups for our card of the week. And I think we both had (laughs) three of cups week. I actually had a really interesting three of cups moment where I had um, someone reach out to me kind of randomly. It was a girl that I met on Instagram like a year ago. We met up for coffee once, but then kind of 
lost contact uh, for whatever reason. And just out of the blue, she messaged me and's like, let's get a drink. Let's reconnect. <laughs> so I went out to a tarot themed bar downtown. It's called The Drifter. And they post their cocktail menu on tarot cards, which is the only real reason I like that bar. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's also like a speakeasy, so it's kind of like hidden beneath another bar, which kind of makes it fun. But anyway, I just had the most wonderful time chatting, and it was a a complete Three of Cups moment, always kind of like bringing together like fun times, friendships, um, building community. So that was really great. And I think you had a Three of Cups week too, Dan, right? Yeah. Well, I was thinking, what is my Three of Cups week going to look like? I had a show scheduled for last night, Thursday, which I was like, oh, I'll probably go out that night, maybe do some Three of Cups. But then on Wednesday, out of the blue, um, similar to you, my good friend from New York was like, hey, I'm in Chicago. Uh, Let's hang out. So he was in town for a hardware convention because he is the owner of a hardware store in the Upper East Side of New York. So I actually hung out with him at the hardware convention because I consider myself pretty handy and I sort of enjoy sifting through hardware materials and was like, ooh, look at that, look at that tool, look at that over there. So it was really fun. Uh, to get even more detailed, my friend happens to be a Leo like me, and we hit up an open mic, and he hit the stage. I got the Leo on the stage, and he was like, oh, man, I, this is great. I feel so alive. And then last night, he came to my show. Then we went to Kingston Mines, which is like the hardcore late-night party-time blues bar in Chicago. And I swear to God, three very beautiful young ladies were dancing very gracefully just like the card and me and my buddy you know that was the first thing we noticed at that place so so it was very much a three of cups week and tell us on instagram if you had a three of cups week as well i'd love to hear from you guys but dan what do we have coming up So for the astrology of this week, which is the week of August 26th to September 1st, I would say to sum the week up, there is going to be a lot of Uranian energy and Uranian meaning of the planet Uranus. Uranus is the outer planet, which takes about eight years to move through each sign. And right now, Uranus is in early Taurus. And because all these planets here are moving through early Virgo, also an Earth element, we got Earth Taurus trining Earth Virgo. So, like all these planets just entered early Virgo, we are in Virgo season today as we record is day one of Virgo season, and it is the most beautiful, crispy Virgo day, and I could not be happier about that. But this week that we're forecasting, we are going to have some trining happening with planets, trining Uranus and Taurus as they are in early Virgo. So Monday, August 26th, we're going to have the moon in Cancer waning to the balsamic phase again. (laughs) Balsamic, my favorite. (laughs) But isn't it wild that we're already balsamic? I feel like we just... That was a month ago last time we... We talked about this salad dressing thing, but it is that time of the month again of salad dressing moon. <laughs> so, but Monday we have Venus trining Uranus. So, 
you know, Venus is the planet of love and relationships. Last weekend made a conjunction with Mars, so that Mars and Venus are very close together. Venus trining Uranus is, you know, going to... When it's a trine with Uranus, I feel like it's a pleasant surprise, an unexpected, pleasant, nice thing. That's what I've been observing. So maybe on Monday, as love and relationship planet Venus in Virgo trines Uranus and Taurus, you might have an unexpected surprise in your relationship life. Or you might have uh, spontaneity and... um, excitement happening in your relationship life you know that would be the perfect opportunity to if you are in a relationship like get some flowers or some chocolates or a little surprise for no reason to take it home on monday i feel like that would be like a great way to kind of bring those two forces together totally and yeah like surprise your partner or you know venus is relationships money and beauty beauty for me is very artistic so if you are an artist like i pay attention to what venus is doing so this is also a good day for spontaneous inspiration i feel like so you know uranus is an unstable reactionary like revolutionary planet but because it's an earth trine you know it's i am hoping it's easier so pay attention to that on monday um, Tuesday, the moon moves out of Cancer into Leo, and that's where it's getting very balsamic because Friday is the new moon in Virgo. But Tuesday, moon in Leo. Um, Wednesday, moon is also in Leo, and then we get action planet Mars trining Uranus because Venus and Mars are very close to each other this week. So when Mars trines Uranus, this is when your energy levels and your passions and your drive to get shit done in this Virgo season gets that spontaneous surprise aspect from Uranus. So like there are a lot of different ways this could play out. You know, if I think the go-to thing with Mars is like, you know, physical fitness, athleticism, movement, bodily movement, you know, so maybe you just get the urge to like run long distance in the Virgo atmosphere outdoors. Maybe you get the... It's very rare that I get the urge (laughs) to run long distance, so I'm really going to be hoping it kicks in. That could be nice. (laughs) Maybe not long distance, but maybe you're just like pump maybe you put on some pump up music and you're like hit the gym or go to like something active you know or i feel like you're just gonna you're gonna get some energy on wednesday with this happening so make sure to pay attention to your anger levels because mars is the planet of anger in a lot of ways and even though it's a trine you might just be like a little bit feisty so be careful but enjoy it too and that's happening wednesday the 28th Then, Thursday the 29th, Mercury, planet of communication and intellect, leaves Leo and joins the party in Virgo. So, starting Thursday the 29th, Mercury, the Sun, Mars, and Venus are all very close together in Virgo. Early Virgo, near the trine zone of Uranus. Uh, So, damn, this week is Virgo City. I don't know if you got some crops to harvest if you have a farm go to town but on a more modern scale 
if you you know have some organizing to do get organized get get service oriented and get in that work mode because it is from an astrological point of view it is the time to do that and that same day that mercury enters its domicile because mercury rules virgo so mercury does very well in virgo your mind is going to be in that virgo crushing it zone you know uh but that same day that that happens the sun in virgo trines uranus so this is the third uranus trine of the week so like i said very uranian week lots of pleasant surprises lots of spontaneity and lots of like rebelliousness the conversation we had with nish was pretty uranian because both of us were like all of us were like f the system man like change the rules man we were very rebellious in our interview but uh so when the sun trines you're honest you know that's going to be your identity getting revolutionized surprised shocked in a pleasant way so Damn, this week, you know, if you're going to change things up and start new a new beginning in an organized way, that is this is a good week to do that. And so by Friday, the new moon in Virgo lands right near this pile up of Mars, Sun, Mercury and Venus. So the new moon happens at 6:37 a.m. Friday morning. And it's going to be trining Uranus also. So that's the fourth planet to trine Uranus this week. You know, the sun, the moon is going to be conjuncting all these planets. It's going to be trining Saturn eventually. Man, I'm getting out of breath talking about this week. So like, yeah, Friday as a new moon in the sign of Virgo with all these planets piled up right here. You know, think of what you can initiate on this day that has that uranian spontaneity what can you do that's like radical to change things up to throw in new surprises into the mix and how can you plant that seed on friday so that this seed of yours blossoms into this new beginning new thing like what do you want to manifest with this potent virgo energy so yeah friday that new moon will take you there and saturday moon moon moves into libra and then sunday <laughs> mercury trines uranus and venus trines saturn so that is the fifth uranus trine of the week and that's going to cause your intellect your speech your communication to go through the uranian thing with Uranus and Taurus so that's happening and then Venus trines Saturn which relationship wise you got the pleasant surprise on Monday with the trine with Uranus by Sunday Saturn is going to solidify that up for you so even if we look ahead to next week the the week of um first week of September Everything that trined Uranus is then going to trine Saturn. So everything that was shaken up in surprise is going to be solidified with Saturn. So, you know, me as your astrologer, this is a lot of Virgo action, lots of Uranus action. And then next week, it'll be the Saturn action. So be mindful of 
you know, I'd say be flexible this week because Virgo makes you want to be organized, but Uranus makes you want to be rebellious. So it could be this great mix of changing things up and having your shit together all at once. So I'm a little out of breath, but I'd say (laughs) that does it for our astrology of the week of August 26th to September 1st. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. I feel like I just channeled Uranus. (laughs) To get through that. (laughs) But card-wise... Yeah, let's... I'm very curious about what kind of card we're going to get for this kind of forecast. We ready to find out? Okay. Page of Pentacles. Yes, we are harnessing that Virgo energy very well. But... Paige is youthful and prone to wild ideas, too. Mm. So I think this is where that Uranian influence is coming in. Because with the page, you're kind of like setting yourself up for a pathway that's going to lead you to eventual success, you know, down the road. But you haven't lost your spirit yet. You haven't been like brought down or broken down by the confines of reality. So it does make me think of a little bit like when you're young or say like you're right out of school and you're like, I want to start a business and, you know, I'm going to like, you know, hire convicts and feed the homeless. And you're like really like inspired and you haven't been like um, brought down by the realities and the complexities of the world yet. Mm -hmm. You're just like starting to sow those seeds at the very early stages um, in a very optimistic way. So I think that could be interesting when you think about like, what could you start this week? What could be the early stages of a project that you could attack with a lot of optimism Um, on the one hand? Though there is a little point to the page of pentacles. In the image, it shows kind of this youthful boy kind of holding up the pentacle, the gold coin, at eye level. And he's kind of like idolizing it. Mm. So the word of caution here is do this not because of money, basically. Like here, the downfall or the shadow side is the urge to do everything because it's going to bring you profit. Mm Mm-hmm. But I like with kind of this Uranian energy coming in, do it because it's different. Do whatever you want to do because it's revolutionary and it's going to be big. It's going to be exciting. Um, Don't let yourself be sidetracked on the conventional notions of what success is. Um, So again, with court cards like the Page of Pentacles, this can either represent a personality aspect of yourself coming through and being very relevant in your life this week Or it could be someone in your life that is like the page of pentacles and that person having a strong interaction with you. So keep that in mind with court cards. They can come either of those two ways. Um, Yeah, what do you think about it, Dan? Well, yeah, you're good at explaining the court cards because those are the ones that I get tripped up with in tarot. But um, I never really thought about the page as like idealizing money or or coins or earth or whatever um but you know it it's, it seems very weird that we're appropriately pulling these court cards with the element of the season you know <laughs> so there is like that synchronicity i'm very glad you pulled that card cuz i was like 
scared. I was a little bit worried, like, the death card might show up, just kind of, like, transformation and, like, upheaval and, you know, or even worse, the tower. But luckily, um, it seems like that Virgo energy is coming through pretty strong. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, we're in the beginning of this eight-year era of Uranus and Taurus, and every time these planets hit Uranus and Taurus, that's that's where we learn what this actually is all about in this era, you know? So I'm saying certain key words about Uranus and Taurus, like revolutionizing money or revolutionizing food or earth or the environment and stuff. But, you know, we don't really know what this era is going to mean until we are through with it. So every time this planet gets activated, we we should be taking notes like, hey, Venus trine Uranus and Taurus, and this happened. The Sun trine Uranus and Taurus, and this happened. But um, it's yeah, this week really stands out just with the stellium in Virgo uh, with the new moon like void to sort of like blast us to sort of harness that energy in the new moon form to like start this cyclical thing. So. I'm glad you got I'm glad you pulled that card and it it makes me think too of the uh, the page of wands when we got in Leo season. Mhm. Yeah. And not like I remember what that week was like in the fire element and now I'm like what is it going to be like in the earth element? So Well, we'll have to wait and see. It'll be interesting when we record next week having gone through the week and, and seeing how these forces are going to play out. Yeah, well, that was awesome, and looking forward to this week then, and stay tuned for our interview with Nish of Knox Mente. So on today's episode of Cosmic Keys, we are thrilled to be talking with Nish of the podcast Nox Mente. Nish is the co-host of Nox Mente, which is a podcast that covers a lot of different subject matter. I'd say the main theme of Nox Mente is exploring dreams, the dream realm, lucid dreaming, and then from there they take the episodes in lots of different directions. They cover lots of interesting guests. I feel like it's like inside the actor's studio for all the paranormal, conspiracy, spiritual crowd members that we know and love. And it took me a while to discover this show. But once I did, I sort of binged so many episodes because so many of the guests are people that I've been listening to over the years. And on Nox Mente, they um, focus a lot on the guests themselves. And I love their style of podcasting. So today, 
As we um, get to talk to Nish, I'm really excited to see where this conversation goes. So welcome to Cosmic Keys, Nish. How are you doing today? Thank you very much. I'm doing well, and it's, it's an honor to be on here with the both of you. I'm enjoying the work you're doing. Oh, great. Thank you so much. I still feel like we're a bit of a podcast newbies over here, um, so it's so wonderful to hear that from you. And we both really love your podcast, and I'm hoping with this conversation we can get to learn a bit more about you and your own spiritual practice, because it sounds like you've had quite an interesting life so far. So I thought we could just kind of start at the beginning. Like, how did you start to become interested in the spiritual realm? You know, it, it, that's a, it's funny. That question's always funny and uh, that ponder in general. I think, I think I was just born this way. And uh, my earliest memory really is of being myself, but waking up in a, a baby's body. I was, I think my mother and I figured out I was about six months old when I gave her the details of of the room and everything because we had moved. So before that, so we had moved when I was six months old. So it was in this specific room. And, uh, and from then I was just always here. I was just always here. I learned to walk. I never crawled and I was really I learned to read and write before I got into kindergarten, but my mother worked with me and she was strict. You know, she really did that with us the kids around her. Uh, so I always felt like I had a sense of real consciousness in this particular dream of life from the get go. And that brings a certain mm, levity, not levity. You know, there's something funny about it. There's some, there's a gravity to it. And I always, I guess, had a sense that there's way more than this because my first memory in that cradle was being stuck in this flesh. When I figured out I was stuck in flesh because it was like a sleep paralysis experience and I couldn't move my limbs. And what was happening was I could move them, but it was, I was struggling. And when I, finally looked at my hands and I saw they were little chubby baby fingers. <laughs> the thought came to me, I, like, oh man, <laughs> is this a dream? And then there's my mother over me saying, there you are, you know, talk. She always talked to me like I was a person and not a baby. And so it just kind of set the tone for the rest of my life. So I, I, I have a real sense of this is transient, and with that kind of uh, perspective, it there is, I guess, a periphery of spirituality that comes with it, and and I just move forward. And then, you know, I was always interested in witchy things because that's what I was getting from the people around me. I saw the world in a very magical way. And my, my mama was very witchy, very, very, very witchy. And, you know, I think you could probably call her a little new agey back then. And, uh, I glummed onto my great grandmother the most is ironically, I look like her who had adhered to she came from the late victorian period and she adhered to kind of 
you know, right out of that spiritualist movement, the high 20s where uh, all that stuff is going on when she was giving birth to her kids, my grandmother and her sister. And so she had kind of folkish ways and was open towards all that. And I spent a lot of time in the kitchen with her. And that's where I picked up some of the folkish stuff. Now, if you were to have called her a witch, she would have been appalled. <laughs> Let me just put that out there. Uh, but, you know, from then on, it was just, we're rolling. And my mamo just, uh, you know, it was candles, incense, moons and stars and, you know, books on witchcraft and all that. So I think that's kind of where I started. You know, it's fascinating that you had this kind of sleep paralysis experience so young. I've never heard of that really before. Where is Have you had many since or did you kind of just have those experiences when you were a child? I was first sleep paralysis. I recently just had one, which was, I think, and I hadn't. Not in a very long time. But see, that first experience I was talking about really wasn't sleep paralysis. I thought it was, I I use that as a uh, descriptive because I couldn't maneuver my flesh. But when I realized I was in baby flesh, that I had been somehow thrown into this life that you're talking to me now in, uh, that I was that's that's what it felt like paralysis because I couldn't manipulate my baby flesh. So I had to go, you know, I had to, I had to learn to tie my shoes and, and all that. I had to learn to manipulate my flesh. And so it had that sense of, and, and it's the only way I can convey it to people of paralysis, but it really wasn't paralysis. As far as sleep paralysis though, yes, I've had it my whole life during periods of time, uh, it'll amp up. And like I said, I just had a really intense one. I think it was not even a week ago. There was, it, it almost shook me. And I, it takes a lot to shake me at this point. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hard for me to think of, you know, being as young as you were when you had your first memory. And I, yes. wonder, I wonder if maybe more people have similar experiences when they're that young, like, Oh, I'm like a sentient soul in this little baby body. Now I got to figure things out. Like maybe more people have that experience, but everybody forgets it. Cause I certainly can't remember that far back. I'd say the earliest I could remember is maybe like two or three, but sounds like you were able to recall that. Yeah. Oh, crystal clear. It was very crisp. It's still crisp. And I think everyone does indeed. The thing is, uh, is unfortunately some families just, I had a very open mother. And so when I was telling her about the memory later and we were able to pinpoint that it was before I was six months old, we couldn't pinpoint before that because we lived in that house until then. Uh, uh, we are told, you know, a lot of, fam- I think this generation, your generation and uh, moving forward, maybe, you know, this stuff's talked about and we allow this stuff to come forward. Certainly I'm a Gen Xer and a lot of us were, you know, they, 
it wasn't really promoted. It wasn't put in denial or pushed away, but just the idea of is this a memory or not and checking it out with your parent and all that, you know, they didn't say, no, your dreams aren't, aren't real. And they didn't say, uh, there was no wiping mechanism, no kind of uh, indoctrination for me at least. So I didn't, like I said earlier too, I didn't, I, well, not earlier here, but all over the internet and on radio, I wasn't raised in a, in a base, in a Christian household. So it, I didn't have to deal with people telling me things like that were not real or that they were possibly bad. And so fairies could be real in my world. Ghosts could be real. Santa could be real. And uh, so I was allowed to, to, have my memories, maintain them, and then later get solidified uh, confirmations from the adults around me. It's it's really interesting um, that you refer to yourself as Gen X because we're all about like exploring the different generations and everything. So would that make you Pluto and Virgo in your birth chart? Do you know? Oh man, yes, I believe so. Yeah, I'm right. I'm a Gen Xer, so, uh, and I think that cuts off at what fifty-four year olds or something. I feel like Pluto moved into Libra in like the early seventies out of Virgo. It was like yeah. the baby, the baby boomers <coughs> are Pluto and Leo, and that was like the the forty people born um, in the late thirties to the mid fifties. And then Virgo is like mid fifties to early seventies. I want to say. Yeah. And I'm a seventies bait, you know, it's like my gen. So yeah, I think it was in Virgo. I'd have to look, you know, I'm terrible at my chart these days because I've been switching over to Vedic Oh, interesting. And I'm trying to wipe all this other stuff out because I keep reverting back to the tropical system. And it's somehow whatever my brain has this weird function. So I keep trying to wipe it. I'm not a Taurus. I'm an Aries. I'm not a Taurus, you know? Yeah. There's some pretty big differences. I've kind of, I recently got a couple cheap little like internet Vedic readings on uh, this website, Fiverr. (laughs) And um, it's interesting when you switch from tropical to sidereal. And my thing is the more, like the more self-reflective I am, I'm like, yeah, these, these sidereal placements are sort of accurate, but because I just feel like because we're Westerners and we live in the West, like, my like my western self is very leo and scorpio and maybe mm-hmm. my if i in an alternative alternative reality lived in the east maybe i would be more libra and cancer but that's i mean it really changes things and i for so long i do really relate to leo and scorpio stuff but when you switch to Libra and cancer, that's so different, but there is a hint of that in the background, but I I sort of encourage people to play with both systems. Yeah, I think so. And you know, there, there's a whole bunch of stuff like, you know, Edgar Casey said that in one of his readings that, you know, the, 
the the tropical system was off by a degree and and then you start putting that together and that takes you you know like that gets you really placed into the sidereal stuff and then there's this idea of what you see looking at the stars and so there's no what's not seen is not seen and so it makes more sense to me now i i hear you however as a uh first deacon taurus i in in tropical and a non that that should make me a full on like Taurus personality. But looking at my behavior, I'm very fiery. The Aries thing just fits like a glove. And that was one of the things that uh kind of sold me on the sidereal look at stuff. Plus I love the predictive arts in the sidereal method. But like I said, I'm just learning it. I mean, it's always been there in the periphery. I'm just learning it and I'm trying to wipe my mind. I'm trying to come from a clean start and it's difficult. <laughs> yeah. And um, I feel like, you know, in recent years, since the nineties, when they started do, translating a lot of the texts in astrology, yes, th- yeah. there are, there are these new techniques that actually sort of parallel what you're talking about with the Vedic astrology where it's very predictive. It's like on this day in this year, yes, this will happen. There actually is sort of a Western version of that that was recently dug up. And by doing like the whole sign houses of the Hellenistic tradition and stuff and the um, like, it's like it all came from the same source, which is sort of like the hermetic source in Alexandria, you know, Mm -hmm. in the BC years. And then it made its way to India. And in many ways, the, the, the original style was more well preserved in India, but there, there are new texts coming through that are technically Western that I, so I feel like the Hellenistic, uh, old school style revival that we're experiencing like right now yes. is, is, is really good to work with. And my, my big, the big reason why I still use tropical over sidereal really is like just the power of the equinoxes and the solstices are applied to the Zodiac because you, the starting point is the solstice. So like, yeah, just by the mere fact that like every ancient culture had their Stonehenge monument and it's like the, the pyramid alignments of the stars and stuff like think the the solstices and the equinoxes are like the bedrock of all of this jazz. So like by using the, the Western system, you are tapping in and setting the starting points on those very potent moments in time you know so that's kind of how I and that fits in like really well when you think about you know something like Wicca or neo-pagan traditions because Mm -hmm. they're also so primarily based in on the solstices and the equinoxes yeah basically the agricultural season Mm -hmm. as a whole all of the traditions basically come from the concept of harvest so yeah I guess that kind of fits in if you're more leaning towards kind of more pagan traditions or you're inspired by that, or you find a spiritual resonance with it, then following kind of more Hellenistic astrology, I think makes sense in that way. 
I, I, I like the idea of mixing for me. And so that, that makes a lot of sense. And, but for learning, I'm just trying to erase everything I know and, and move forward with fade it for right now and then come back and mix. But, but I think that ultimately we, shouldn't we just add all the data together and maybe synthesize something that, yeah, exactly. you know, and this is what I love about your podcast is, uh, is the astrology section and also the posts on your Instagram feed. I think that it's some of the best daily astrology stuff I encounter around. It's just really synthesized so well that I personally check it every day. Oh, thanks for thanks for and saying that. And that says a lot. There are a lot of sources out there. I know a lot of well-known astrologers. I've studied astrology a long time myself. So I just think you guys are rocking it. Well, thanks a lot. We appreciate that. Yeah, it's wonderful to hear. And I think one of the things we strive for with our podcast is we have a lot of beginners when it comes to astrology and tarot. We're just kind of the occult in general. So we're always trying to like put these concepts in terms that people can understand and fit into their day to day. And I think that yes. makes it fun too. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. It's approachable. I think, you know, this has always been one of my problems in general when we get to academic. It's really fantastic to get academic. I love being there myself. However, I think in the end, we need to be able to speak to each other. And uh, I, I think sometimes just being presenting things in relatable terms and modern vernacular and, and moving along in that way is the way to go. It's just, you know, I shouldn't have to, unless I choose to need to read one sentence and sit there for a few minutes and ponder on that. (laughs) You know, when I'm looking Mm -hmm. for my daily astrology from someone else. So I, I mean, ponder yes on what that means for me in my day and all this, but it should be, you know, you should be, it should be digestible. And, and the stuff, that you're presenting is good for professionals all the way down. And that's, that's what I'm saying. That is, it's a gift. You know, that's why I just think you guys will take off. I just have a feeling. Well, that we love hearing that Mr. Leo here loves hearing that. (laughs) Let me tell you. (laughs) Leo moon here on in tropical. Yeah. It's, uh, it's funny, but, um, so Nish, like, we want to we want to hear more of your story because listening to Knox Mente, you just throw in these little Easter eggs like sounds like you've lived quite a quite a wild life. Like I guess when did your adventures begin? You know, like when did it sounds like you've been on a very long adventure? Like when, when you first woke up in that crib. Like, yeah. <laughs> they began right there. What else would you like? like i know you've lived in chicago we want to hear about that you've you currently live in the pacific northwest and it sounds like you have like a spiritual connection there like we're we we talk about the spirit of place like what is the spirit of place my friend from new york was in last night and he was like what is chicago known for and i was like uh like 
Al Capone. (laughs) (laughs) But I was sort of like flabbergasted. Like, what do I tell him? I wanted to be like, um, like Greco-Roman, like, you know, World's Fair architecture and like. I think a good place to start is the lake. I think the lake is a key point to like the Chicago spirit of place. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember you, Dan, you were talking to someone once and you were asking like what deities they connect with or they work with. And this girl said, well, first and foremost, oh, yeah. the lake. Um, so I like that idea that kind of the lake, Lake Michigan is, is a primary spirit in the city in a way. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Well, there's, there's so much to be said about Chicago, really, truly. There's, it's first of all, it's the second real true it's there i consider in the united states there being two real metropolises first is new york second is chicago it's the sixth largest city in the world i mean it's a it's a real honest city it's a real metropolis it's gigantic and uh and that in and of itself is 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 a big deal. It's a big thing. It's a big churning ball of energy. A lot of people feed into that, that live there. There are a lot of people there. And uh, the lake certainly, I think, must be its soul. And uh, so it's great. And then, you know, it's, it is like New York, it's this concrete jungle. And like New York with Central Park, it has some really amazing natural spaces within it. So yeah, it's, you know, Chicago's, and then, I mean, come on, seriously, Chicago for food, Chicago for music, Chicago for all kinds of cultures, Oh, don't get me started on places I miss in Chicago, Devon Street to go get beautiful saris and Indian food. And I mean, I could go on and on and on about Chicago. It's a great city. I'm glad I don't live there any longer, but it, it changed me when I did. And uh, it, it, it is truly, truly, truly a real city. And that can't be said of a lot of these smaller cities like Portland, which I live close to, it is turning into one, but Portland was still basically a small town until like a decade ago. And uh, so there's a, there's a real heavy sense of spirit of place in Chicago. It's got a major hoodoo scene there and Santoria scene. I mean, it's the culture is there, the big neighborhoods there, the Ukrainian village. I mean, everyone's really represented well in Chicago. So there's a lot that, uh, I mean, you could do show after show on, on Chicago. But I do find often that New Yorkers have that there's always been a rivalry between New York and Chicago. There always has been. And uh, they're, they're just, it, it seems to, I'm not sure, I'm not sure why actually. <laughs> well, my, my friend was like, he was get he wasn't being critical, but he was like very like contemplative, like, man, I never realized that in my head, I think of New York as the center of the universe and nothing yeah. else matters. And, and then like a New Yorker. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I know exactly what you're talking about. And there is some truth to that. And, but he wasn't like knock. He loves Chicago. He was like so happy to be here and everything. But, but Nish, like you were here in the nineties and I heard yes. on, an, I heard on another episode that you were 
living in the Wicker Park area. Is that oh, right? Yeah, yeah. It was right in the thick of all that, and um, it was it was fantastic. I, I, yeah, I mean, I work with Fred Armisen Armisen at uh, Eat Your Hearts Out. I mean, there it, it got so interconnected. All the bands that were coming out of there, I knew and interacted with because it was a small scene, and. Uh, you know, I was a bartender all over, but I, I worked, I worked a, a wide variety of, I am, I was an artist as well, but my getting, you know, the money gig thing was always bartending. And so I was down there on the Gold Coast in, in an exclusive jazz bar called the Green Orchid in the Bismarck Hotel, which doesn't exist anymore when it was it was fantastic. I was so I was in touch with the whole jazz scene there, and then I worked uh, at Smoke Daddy over there on Oh Big yeah Street for years. And when Max opened that, and Tammy, the first manager, she just passed away last this last year. I loved her, uh, uh, and so I got deeply involved into the blues scene, and and then of course my main gig was always working the indie bars so i worked at zach and intertown pub zach's and intertown pub and uh and then at eat your hearts out where debbie sharp who is the rock caterer who has had a million restaurants but she also did the catering at uh, the aragon and rosemont and all that so i worked all these rock shows and eat your hearts out brought is where fred armison and i worked together and other people that became quite well known out of it, from debbie and uh i mean i could go on and on with these stories like i could go on for a long time about chicago it was really exciting in the early 90s there was so much going on and it was truly a scene wicker park was definitely a scene uh and, and yeah i'm grateful for it i wanted out when i finally got out I, it was i'd had enough so <laughs> it's yeah. like okay thank you chicago <laughs> yeah for our listeners who might not be aware wicker park is kind of like it's almost like the brooklyn of new york city in the sense that it used to be cheaper and kind of there was like a lot of music coming out of it and stuff like that. But now it's become very like hipsterfied and gentrified. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it wasn't like that back then. It was ghetto-y. <laughs> yeah, people say there's like prostitutes. You know. Oh, it well, where else do the artists live? We have to live <laughs> in those kinds of hoods. And and we're talking about, you know, the pumpkins were there, uh, Urge Overkill. I, I mean, I could go on and on and on. It was the, one of the centers of the, the what became known as the grudge, the um, grunge movement. And these major bands out of Chicago, that's Wicker Park put Chicago on the map again for that. So it was jazz before earlier and then you know here came this movement in the 90s and chicago held its own and put some of the greatest bands out from that period and we were all interconnected the double doors down there but it was rough it was a rough hood and uh it, it was it was fantastic i've always enjoyed i always tend to go towards old 
buildings and old neighborhoods. And as an artist, that's just where you can afford to be. So I do remember when it started to get gentrified and then we all kind of went into, you know, the, and it was like, go to Pilsen, go, it, it, you know, we were scattering, like, where do you go? So, yeah. Yeah. It's last time I was there, I actually had a tear for Wicker Park. <laughs> like what happened I, yeah. to you? <laughs> Wicker Park was the first neighborhood I moved to, but um, it was already what year gentrified. was that? 2013 oh yeah yeah yeah. so like the the on the six corners there was like um they converted this old bank to like a fancy walgreens which i actually like that walgreens don't get me wrong it's 24 hours but i mean it's it's it was um i'm just thinking off the top of my head like did they have uh quimby's books back then yes they had Oh my God. I don't even know what still might be there, but Earwax was there. The occult bookstore was there. Oh, we've uh, been there. Scarlett yeah, we've and been, I. Yeah, to the occult <laughs> bookstore. Yeah. Wild Cherry. The occult bookstore where one of my dear friends, Sorolta Defaulte, who was a backup singer with Ministry, who was the face of the occult bookstore. You know, that's the oldest occult bookstore in Chicago. Russell used to own it. Uh, it was. I'm a, pretty sure it's the oldest occult bookstore in the country. Yeah, it had that title, but I've heard some people argue that from New York City. So I don't know the New real Yorkers stat. would. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know the stats, but I do know that it's justified and old. And uh, it was you know, it's fantastic. I don't know. It's like now it's been sold over, but hung out there all the time because one of my coven sisters was the face of it. And earwax was fantastic. There was like myopic over there. Oh yeah. That's yeah. still there. Oh, good. And uh wild cherry became a soul kitchen or something. There was dreamers. So dreamers is where the, the pumpkins were playing out of. And, uh, Oh Jesus! Did Bell you Harris. ever? Did you ever go to a Gallery Cabaret? That's mm, not ringing a bell. That's in uh, Bucktown on Oakley. It's like a real dive, but people claim they're like, "Oh, the Smashing Pumpkins have played here," because it's like an it's like an open mic bar that like anybody can play at. But I'm always like, "Yeah, well, the Smashing Pumpkins started here, and they were apparently." not too good when they first hit that stage, but then they obviously got better. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, Billy Corrigan went through like a whole different, he, in the beginning, in my memory, he didn't sound like he ended up sounding like his, he changed his vocal style or something changed. I can't recall. Um, it, that, like playing at dreamers that became, I think Nick's uh, man. So, Oh, the memory. They're so, in the double. Is the double door still there? They just freaking closed it, which was like I a mean, tragedy. That was there, yeah, that's an institution. Not, and now it's like, I mean, it's like a yuppie ass. I don't even know. It's oh, all, no. it's all yuppie bullshit now. I mean, literally. And I, I, you were defending the millennials earlier. I feel like yeah. the millenn the millennials did this to all these neighborhoods. Whether the, and they are the ones that are the most like anti-gentrification it's like what do you think you're doing you know and i'm guilty of that in a way like i've moved to those neighborhoods too yeah yeah but you know what there's the, so on behalf of the millennials and you're both millennials uh i feel like your generation is super open like i can 
I can talk about any kind of weirdness and it seems like all my millennial friends I love, I mean, I feel like the biggest group of people I'm friends with is millennials, so 30-somethings. And you all seem like the most open people. It's like nothing, I can bring all the weird to the table and it's all right. And it seems like Generation Z are the ones that just get triggered the most. Yeah, it is interesting, especially when you think about like spirituality and and when I was growing up and started to get interested in like paganism and stuff like nowadays, I feel like things are so much more open now that I can just casually like say if someone asks me, oh, you know, what's your religion? I'd be like, oh, I'm pagan. And they're just like cool with it. Yes. But I feel yeah. like it was not that way before. So that's that's really been an, an opening up that I've seen in my lifetime when it comes to spirituality or just kind of even the paranormal too. Like I feel yes. like people are open to talking about that kind of stuff. It's no, there isn't so much of a like, Oh, we don't talk about that or, Oh, it's demons. We don't talk about that. I feel like yeah. people are chill yes. <laughs> nowadays. I know everything's demons. It's true. And and so that's a good, uh, that's a good thing. There are a lot of old timers and I'm talking boomers and stuff that, and so I can fall into this a little bit where, so I think it's good that it's all out there. And, And I'm specifically talking about witchcraft and these, what once, once upon a time was considered more of alternate religions and in, in the whole paganism umbrella and uh i feel like for me personally it's wonderful that it's so in the open now and i you know it's easier to walk around and just it, it's easier to just live but there was something i can say this and, and i get this I understand this mindset. There was something sexy about when it was more of a taboo and, um, and it had more of that scorpionic energy to it because it is, it is exalted in Scorpio, the occult. And, uh, and, and so there was something sexy about like, Ooh, you had to join a, you know, like an order or a group, you know, to get some material, <laughs> Or you had to be lucky and find like some secret tome somewhere or, you know, there was, there was something to that. And I can understand that, but that still exists. And I'm one of those people that believes the information can be out there in plain sight. It's always going to find who needs to find it. And so it it doesn't matter. You can throw every secret tome on the, on the table in front of someone. If they're not there, they're not there. Yeah. You know, and it is interesting how it's changed so much when I think about something like Wicca, which is kind of how I started to get interested in witchcraft. And I think most people kind of start out with Wicca. It did used to be like, you know, you were more expected to like figure out who the elders were in your community and like learn Mm -hmm. from them. Mm -hmm. And there was much more of a push to like enter tradition, like Gardenarian or something like that. And I feel like that almost is, is like gone in a way. Like, obviously those traditions are still out there. There are still some people becoming Gardenarians or Alexandrian Wiccans, but 
for the most part, everyone I talk to who's my age, either online or in person, who's interested in this kind of stuff, they're all solitary. They don't really have any interest in joining something Mm -hmm. that's more structured, though at the same time, they're looking for a community of some kind. And I know you mentioned that you were kind of in a coven. Um, I'd love to hear more about that too. I've had it. I've run a few covens and I I actually had uh, in Des Moines, Iowa, I had a huge Victorian house. I'm one of those people that loves Victorian houses and it was on a gigantic is on a hill and it became it was a scene it was a scene like rock bands would come through and stay there and stuff so it was the scene that was going on in des moines and that's it we called the temple of the goddess and that was very much in the in the mix uh but what i want and so i can i can definitely talk about that but i'm curious what was the first book you read that moved you and i I know that you're interviewing me but i'm i'm curious at this Mm -hmm that moved you into, into the witchy realm, Scarlet? It was a Wicca by Scott Cunningham. Yes. <laughs> so that's like I, one of the classic firsts. Yes. <laughs> it is totally a classic. I want to tell you that uh, I think it was, oh, geez. It must have been, I was living in Mason City, Iowa. This is so funny. And it's got to be like, I don't know. I had just moved from San Francisco, so I think it's probably like 87 or something. And it was the very first time you, I went into a bookstore and you could find there's all of a sudden this now a little tiny space for books on witchcraft. And before it had only just been a couple books, you know, it was grandmama Doreen Valiente or, uh, Janet and Stuart Farah who are friends, uh, it was just very few. And then I saw Scott Cunningham's Witchcraft. What was it? Oh, my God. I can't even remember. So I, I bought whatever it was. It was like his first book. I just can't recall. But I was so thrilled to see something else. And so I always loved Scott. And I was very sad when he, he did pass. Uh, but it, it's amazing how many people he influenced in the end with his books on on wicca and witchcraft and i think that he doesn't get enough um you know at the time there was a time when it was kind of laughable but looking back he you know you picked up his book you know i picked up his book and so he was there and so i just think that's important to remember and when we especially when we talk about elders uh, you know, in paganism, it's Scott Cunningham has earned his place for sure. Yeah, his. Um, I never. I got a copy of Wicca for the Solitary Practitioner. Yeah, yeah. That uh, never really resonated with me, but his like encyclopedia style books, like yes, there's um the encyclopedia encyclopedia of magical herbs mm-hmm. that was like the first book where i was straight up like referencing over and over and over again like what's that that's growing outside yes and it's like it's that was a very influential book on me and even though it's the wicca guy scott cunningham everything he's citing is like from like Agrippa and like, yes, absolutely. so it's not it's still legit in my eyes and it's very user-friendly 
I think that I just remember the book I picked up was The Magical Household, and it was very folkish. He, you know, the thing was, I had a knee-jerk reaction to the term Wicca. I was, I've always considered myself a witch. I never, you know, and who gave that to me, that term? Uh, you know, this term came through people like Sybil Week and, uh, uh, oh, geez, uh, Madame Blavatsky, and and some of these other other people, certainly Doreen Valiente, and uh, so when the term Wicca started really being pushed around, I was definitely one of those people. It's like, oh my god, and I I was making a. I'm like, there's a separation here. <laughs> there's like this is this is New Age, and this is not New Age. And so I had a knee-jerk response to that. Now I don't have baggage towards it. I still am not in love with the term, but I get it. I get it. But yes, Scott Cunningham definitely pulled in grimoire, grimoires and that stuff and folded it into his paradigm, which was very much a kind of new agey, but it brought in that, the Wicca stuff. And I actually had a VHS tape of his, his doing, he did, I don't know if it's probably still sold, but I got a VHS tape uh, of him doing, you know, herb magic, teaching you how to do incense, teaching you how to do those basic things that kind of the north side of witchcraft the earthy stuff and uh and it, it you know there he is sitting in a basement with 70s paneling in a polyester <laughs> shirt just the worst absolutely the most atrocious stuff i'm like who is this man with this like partial skullet and uh skull it. <laughs> i was so turned off by it and yeah and he's gagging like laughing through some of it and but it was still so informative and uh, it was simplistic and informative at the same time because before that i wasn't making incense and so you know, it was around people who were, but I was not interested in that at that moment, at that period of time in the early 80s, I'd say like 1980 or something. And so, yeah, he, he earned his place. But that term Wicca, oof. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I kind of agree with you there. And, and I've kind of, I guess I wouldn't consider myself Wiccan anymore though I do still celebrate the Sabbaths just because I really love the Sabbaths but oh yeah me too <laughs> absolutely but you don't have to be that's not a Wiccan thing that's a yeah. that's a full-on witch thing to me girl that's the Sabbaths are the high holidays and and the wheel turns I think it's very important that stuff's ancient and Wicca became you know is like a, a product of the 70s you know, the new, well, it's really, truly a product of the new age, which started moving in in the 1920s, but it didn't full on blossom into what we know now until like the 60s and 70s with the hippies, the boom, the boomers. Well, yeah. I, th I just, when I hear Scarlett, when I hear you talk about like your introduction, I think it's noteworthy, like that you came to wick up before the internet was what it is you know you yeah. came to wicca when you were 13 like what like the early 2000s Ooh, i came scarlet 13 coming <laughs> to it that's magical girl <laughs> that's good 
<laughs> but like I, I came to it with the internet. So it was very different, but like, I think we should, you know, like we are give props to people like Scott Cunningham because absolutely you, in the, in that time, like, did you use the internet or was it more like Barnes and Noble? So I think it's interesting because you brought this up too, how there was like a shelf and there were maybe like a few books that you could yeah. find. Yeah. And by the time, you know, when I first started getting interested in this, it had graduated to a whole bookcase in Barnes and Noble. <laughs> and I feel like so many people who are my age who, you know, went down this path, we all owe everything to that sacred bookcase that was at <laughs> Barnes and Noble. Cause it was yes. like just accessible enough where you could like sneak off when your parents were looking over there. <laughs> and like, as I did, I would sneakily like, buy a book with my allowance money and like put it in my purse and like not tell my parents. <laughs> um, so I feel like that's, that's, you know, a huge part of it. But yeah, the internet was still kind of like weird when I <laughs> started searching. And I guess I probably, you know, didn't really start looking at this stuff on the internet until I was maybe like a little bit older, like 15, mm-hmm. you know, but I, I was, you know, by all, like I was a complete idiot at that age, so I was like looking up curses and like. Oh yeah, I think of Scarlet. I think so many people start there, and I would like print out pages and I <laughs> I put them in like a black binder, and then I convinced my friends to like do spells with me, and like they weren't really as into it as I was. <laughs> I love that. So who knows what I was doing back then? But it wasn't anything legit or like good. <laughs> Well, you said some key things that just make me chuckle. I love it so much. The the sneaking off. So there's this is this is what's so beautiful about the occult is that taboo factor. And I never want to see that leave. I mean, I think that's what brought a lot of us into it was there's, you know, I, I, I'm one of those people that thinks you're kind of born to the work. And, and that's this, that's kind of one of those things like you were drawn to it. And, and then you, you know, you got, it was a little bit taboo. And so you, you've got it on the side and it's secret. And, and I was too, in many ways when I started, you know, it was what my mother was doing was very different from what I was doing. And, uh, I think those are the signs though. When I, when I think about natural born witches and that's what I, I know it's like painting. You can learn the technique and you can become a great painter, but some, some people are just born talented to paint. And I think this way with religious stuff too, and that includes witches. So, I mean, clearly that to me, that's a sign that you're just one of those born witches, Scarlet. Oh, thank you. That's, that's good to hear. I like that. <laughs> yeah. It's, and I have like a bit of a conviction with that. I ta- and it's controversial because, you know, some people just don't want to hear that, but that's, you know, and I'm OG. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like in 2019, particularly with like Gen Z and maybe the, maybe millennials too. Like, was it ever, I mean, you, and you would know Nish, like, has it ever been this, the way it is now where like being a witch is fashionable? 
No. In fact, it was, it was always, you had to, so a lot of people, so there's, you know, here's what's, here's, here's the contrast is that a lot of people had to kind of keep it under wraps because of places they were living. So if you were living in New York city, it's always been all right. Uh, or in LA and in, in San Francisco and cities like that. But throughout a lot of the countryside throughout a lot of towns and in, in the Midwest, in the South, it was a very, tumultuous thing in the 1980s there's a satanic panic and anything that was out of the normal realm of accepted christianity and judaism was on the line so i mean this brought in just your general run-of-the-mill psychics and stuff everyone's ass was on the line sorry i don't know if i can swear (laughs) and uh (laughs) and so it it still had that sense. And now today, you know, I think, I don't know these stats. You guys may know these more than I do. But I think it's like the fastest growing religion. It's certainly everyone. It's everywhere. And, and part of that is a little, so part of me is thrilled that it's so open. And I blame things like uh, the fabulous Adam's Family movies. When I was little, it was the series, which I loved so much, which was in reruns because I'm not that old. And uh, so I watched Adam's Family in reruns, the, the black and white one. And But the movie, when it came in, out, the first one, I don't remember, it, like late 80s maybe, uh, that and stuff like that that started to come in. And then like The Craft and all those movies and then Charmed and all that started to bring it in. And it was, we're moving out of the satanic panic era, but it was still like this minority. We were still in a minority. And a lot of people I knew in those days were still kind of closet witches. And, and that was fine. Uh, Most of the magicians I've known my entire life, and we're talking Masonic people, Russo Christians. uh, I mean, we could go on Church of Light people, like all these people, the the OTO people always kept it pretty much sacred and behind the, you know, behind closed doors. And so you never know who's who within that kind of, within those realms because it was a thing and janet and Stuart farrar or farrah uh however you want to say it always said in their books like maintain an outer world image and you know keep your cloak in your house (laughs) basically and so at some point our cloaks ended up being everywhere and i i like the circus aspect of it but i don't like the mill aspect of it now i'm i'm put off so on instagram i'm totally put off with the image that is going on with witchcraft not every witch is in a bikini with their pinnacle tattooed on and a pound of makeup and you know cat claws glued on and all this stuff i just what happened (laughs) you know like it's becoming a meme and and, and so I'm not fond of that aspect of what's happening where it's becoming a character. And I saw that starting to happen w- really when Hot Topic opened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
you know what I'm talking about. And so it's like, and I'm, I love wearing, you know, I'm the queen of wearing witchy clothing. I've never not worn witchy clothing, but my clothing is all quality too. So none of it's cheap. You know, I'm wearing real silks and uh, real wools and I don't have cheesy jewelry. It's the real stuff. And I'm not trying to be, I'm not presenting anything I'm not. So I'm, I'm walking in a sense of authenticity and, not in a sense of costume or for shock value. And what I see now is it's hard with the new generation. What do you rebel against? Really? What do they rebel against? Everything's really so out in the open. We've on the millionth wave of punk rock. We're on the millionth wave of this and that. And so what do they do? And so I get, I get that idea of how does one, how does one express the rebel energy now? And I don't know what I would do. Yeah. That's, that's an interesting thought. How does one express the rebel energy? And I think teens nowadays, maybe they do it by trolling, you know, just kind of like saying crazy (laughs) stuff online. I feel like that's, the rebel it's energy the lowest common <laughs> it's gone down to the lowest form right instead of artistically like expressing yourself like in the i come definitely out of the punk era and i that's definitely how i presented myself you know through the late 70s and early 80s but uh it it, it uh, that was that was the rebel thing then and so it, we could do it creatively Trolling is like the worst of the worst. How, where is the creativity in trolling? Where is the catharsis in it? Where is anything actually productive in trolling? Yeah, I feel like, you know, we've talked a little bit about, you know, you saying that Wicker Park in the 90s was like a, a very fertile place for artists because it was affordable. There was, there was, character there there was energy there spirit of place community everything but um i have a weird hunch that like city living is getting worse and worse and worse and worse (laughs) like everything is 5g now every every building is being knocked down to be a ticky tacky cube it all looks same (laughs) and (laughs) there's no like i feel like um it might be sort of virtual communities scattered around outskirts that use podcasting or um, meetups or whatever, like virtually to come up with fresh ideas and just be like off the grid of this matrix in the cities. Because, you know, more every t- I've been an Uber driver in Chicago for a while and my old job required driving all over. So I circle this land in the city over and over and over again. And I see the changes mm-hmm. and I see what the suburbs look like, the generic suburbs with generic architecture and just like no soul. That, yeah. is, that yeah. is in big cities now. That's what gentrification does because people, it, it, they're making it family friendly to live in the city. So they're taming it down and it's just, it's whack. I, I'm ready to live 
in the middle of nowhere <laughs> off the grid. <laughs> yes. And I have done that. I've, I've been, I actually want to get back to that. I've been off grid and off road in New Mexico, New Ortiz mountains and lived in a straw bell house, lived in a Kiva and all that. And it was my, it was seriously the best experience. And, and so now I live, I live in a very, well, what was a small town when I first moved here and now Portland is starting to commandeer. It's just slowly like houses, the people boxes, the people stackers are happening all around me. And I'm, I'm in mourning really because I got, I was trying to get away from that. And I thought it was far enough from Portland that that this wouldn't happen, but it's happening and it's happening everywhere. And I think you're right though. I think everyone is, I think at least, I think this is going to sound strange. It might be too, I don't know who your audience is, but it might be too woo. But I think sold people with soul, uh, uh, you know, that are not NPCs. Oh, there we go. Got a, uh, <laughs> <laughs> something driving by uh, are are trying to find their way and out of cities as much as possible because of this net that's going down over us and 5G is just a good example of that and we're also trying to connect to nature and it's harder increasingly harder to do that in these cities that are becoming more overpopulated and and then beautiful cities and portland is the flagship for this portland used to be gorgeous old school portland old school portland had so much character with all these old houses everywhere really great neighborhoods and now it's the new silicon valley so these neighborhoods are getting destroyed where they're taking house they're taking blocks of old houses and putting up people stackers and uh and it's just like what you're talking about there's any town usa where it's that same strip mall with those same establishment and you can just from coast to coast be standing in that same area where there's a Chili's there's <laughs> a you know what I'm talking about oh yeah and, and those it's like what what's happened is the whole place losing its soul is that what is going on and not only that it's uh, it's forcing people who are trying to have creative lives out so back when I was young, and this is before me, this is the boomers, but there was this thing called uh, the the white flight when there was like all the race. So when I was young, when I came up in this, because the 70s is basically when I was a child, there was, I didn't grow up with racism at all. There were a ton of black shows on TV. There were a ton of people of color, isn't it you're supposed to say now, pox, uh, there were a ton of those shows. There were a ton in, uh, in our schools and we all had friends that were just like every color. Nobody cared. The Vietnam war had ended. And so we were taking in people from Vietnam and Laos and, and uh, it was like this, it, the whole rainbow tribe thing came right out of my generation. So I grew up with people of all races that were around, my friends were multicultural. And, you know, I'm eating Vietnamese food as a little kid from from people that were voted, 
you know, needed to come here from, from Laos and Laotian people. And, and half my friends were black and, you know, it was just like, there was no, I didn't experience it. Where the hell has this racism come from? And so, you know, it was this thing, like, it was in my parents' generation where everyone was trying to overcome and it was starting to work. And their kids, my generation, we were, we were having it, you know? And, and then, so the flight from the suburbs, the inner cities, when all the race wars were happening in the sixties. And so all the white people left the neighborhoods and the cities and made, start creating the suburbs and that's when in the suburbs have always been a joke to me, especially and the burbs and, <laughs> um, and so all the artists, people like myself and, uh, my mom, my mother and all this, we stayed in the cities. We moved closer in even into downtown where, which was what people were had called ghettos because they were where people of color were living and all this. And so my generation was like, we're all getting along and we're all doing this. We're having artistic experiences and Wicker Park's one of those neighborhoods. And uh, so it's where the artists went. It's where the freaks went. It's where people of color were. It's where creative people were. And all the yuppies as they called them in my day were in the suburbs Oh, I wish that was still the case. (laughs) It's well, and then so it becomes cool. Scenes started to happen, and Wicker Park is an example of that because it's an it's internationally famous for its music scene that came out of the nineties, and uh, and then so we're all living there because we can afford it. We're all making stuff. We're all being creative, just like Montmartre in 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 paris in the you know any art scene you see this if you go back people are coming together and uh so it starts becoming hip and so the affluent or the nouveau riche start wanting that experience and then all of a sudden next things next they're they're gentrifying right now it's cool to have live in a warehouse i mean i remember when that happened you guys it was not it was cool for us artists so all of a sudden it was like people who had a lot of money were just coming in and taking over the warehouses that we were living in and creating art in and making these super expensive lofts and pricing us all out well now where are we going we're all going to the country and, you know, thankfully, because at this particular time, we're getting electrified out of the cities anyway, with the 5G and all these electromagnetic grids that are going down. So we're all seeking also a, a connection with nature again. But it, it's this weird cycle. At what point and where do we end up if you, we want to live creative lives and uh, not be slaves to the system. And I mean that when I say the word slave to the system, we are all that. We are born into it. If you try, if just try to stop paying taxes, like we can talk common law all day, but if you stop paying taxes and you stop, you know, participating in, in the wheel that we're all on, that we're supposed to be on, you'll find yourself in jail. There's no, that's a slave system where we have to participate. There's no opting out. 
we can't opt out. And there was a time when you could opt out and be an artist and live a bohemian life. And that those days are gone and they're, it's getting worse. So it, it's this wheel. It, it, you know, I think it's like, it's this wheel that is continuing to grind us down to why is it we should have this focus of go to school, go to school, go to school, then get a job, get a job, get a job, you know, try and pay, try and pay, try and stay up and then retire and die. You know, we, that's where we saw the tiny house movement come out where people don't want to be slaves to bills and the government for trying to get to school and learn something they want to learn. We should be able, everyone should be able to learn art. Art should be accessible to us. That's one of the things we're doing here in, in living and in, in flesh is we should be creative people. We should be allowed to do that. And so I'm sorry I'm ranting, but this stuff's a big deal. Oh, I think it's really interesting. And especially to kind of, I think me and Dan are pretty similar. We're like, okay, we like cities okay, but like I seriously considered like I just want my own little homestead someday. And coming from like a pagan perspective, part of me does feel inauthentic living in the city because there's really like, you know, I try and, you know, do certain things and like eat seasonally and like, yes, you know, do yes. my little spells with herbs, but like I'm buying the herbs at a grocery store, you know, because I don't have any yard space or, yeah. So part of me is like, maybe the future for, you know, witches is a more rural existence are going to start to become that way. Again. Um, again. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so maybe that is the future. It's kind of sad, though, at the same time that I don't want cities to become this kind of like soulless monolith, you know? I don't either, Scarlett. It's very sad. It's it's very sad. I think, like I mentioned, as an Uber driver and a, a working guy that circles, I've seen the city change over the past like six years. The LED lights that they, oh. they, they took the incandescent bulbs that have this oh like God. orange kind of candle light glow. Yeah. Now it's like you're in freaking target. Like every <laughs> single light is like beaming down and it just like light is one of the most important things. And when you, when the, when they take the soul out of the nightlife vibe and I'm a night owl, so yeah. I'm out and you know, I'm out and about when it's dark out I don't want to be out and about when I'm under a bunch of blue LED lights. It just makes me want to freaking get as far away from civilization as possible because it feels so artificial. It is. And you know, they're killing the, 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 the LED lights are killing stuff everywhere. And we're just now starting to see the effects of them because, you know, all this has pushed on us without really any studies these days. Like, no, there's no studying 5G. We know it's, it's history of being a weapon. And now we're going to just be experimented on, on in living within those waves. And same with these LED lights. So on the corner of my property, on two corners, they they switched them out and since they switched them out all the trees because i have i i have a completely live in the woods and in a small city like my my yard is 
you can't see the house and all this. It's very witchy. And uh, I brought the woods to my house, <laughs> to my cottage. And so, but the trees are all dying and the shrubs are all dying where they put these new LED lights. And it's a thing all over. So picture us, right? It's killing our tree friends. It's killing our nature. You know, our nature friends are sick. It's, it's, it's also not healthy for us. We need full spectrum lighting. And, uh, I wonder, I can't help but wonder what's the agenda behind there. You know, I'm suspicious at this point of anything that's being ruled out. And I think wise people should question stuff. Yeah, in Chicago, the whole campaign was Chicago's smart lighting. Anything with the word smart in front of it, I am danger. I'm like, keep that away from me. (laughs) I don't want it. But it's like, I saw the campaign. It's like, see Chicago in a whole new light. And it had like the, the star motif of like the Chicago flag, like very pointy and for yeah. aggressive in my from my point of view it's like showing l- these spiky lights coming down and then when they start rolling them out i look you can't even like glance at the light without feeling like your retinas are being like harassed yes. you know well they are and you know this and the, there's studies that back that up yeah it's a, it's a sad thing i can't help but wonder why what 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 is it? I remember when, I mean, it wasn't that long ago when they just, you can't get anything but LEDs basically. And uh, I was stockpiling the old school light bulbs, which now I'm out of because they went out. Well, you know, the Tesla bulbs, the early bulbs, the Tesla bulbs, the ones that are still in existence are still alive and kicking. He designed those bulbs to last forever. Mm. So, and that's for some people that may be a rabbit hole to go down. So Tesla, like there oh, yeah, was, that's like planned obsolescence. I think yes, I heard bingo. about that with the Tesla bulbs. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Because where, you know, it, it's this whole, and, and think about everything that's kind of piling onto what's wrong is this in our consumer world is the, okay. So planned obsolescence, you can, I mean, you can understand it, I guess, from a business point of view. Well, how do you survive? You know, you make something and then nobody, it's made so well that it it has like basically like forever lifespan, you know, unless it breaks or something. And so you can, I guess you can see where the business people and the business mindset came in. Well, this isn't the bottom line. The bottom line's the dollar, right? Or the you know the currency, whatever wherever you are. But at the end, our our oceans and our waters are filled with plastics. When once upon a time we had paper products and glass products, and uh, I mean you can see how this is snowballing now into this experience we're all having. Yeah, and. That from the business point of view too, um, like the whole people, like I have a studio in Evanston, Illinois, which is right north of Chicago, and mm-hmm. I've always loved Evanston. Yeah, that's my witchy uh, nature haven. But it's beautiful up there. But uh, they, it's one of those towns. It's a very liberal town where people have a knee jerk, like, is it green? And I'm and technically the LEDs 
take less energy to run. So it's all of a sudden eco-friendly. I'm like, what is eco-friendly about the most alien blue light, like hazing over the natural landscape where you feel like you're in like a dystopia? You know, why wouldn't hold that? And you know that the whole, you know, the green thing and the smart thing has been weaponized. Yeah. Yeah, It sounds fantastic when you get sold it and the, and then you get the Hegelian dialect with it. It sounds fantastic. And who would not be on board with that? I, you know, until you start dissecting it and seeing what's really going on with it. And, and you do you want your child? Your children are going to be sick. Children are being are getting. Look at look at this. Look how so once again people are starting to die earlier now. Cancer is standard. One in two people gets it. Like this is this has been weaponized, and people are indoctrinated into it out of the Hegelian dialect. It, it's sinister as is all, you know, all hell. Mm -hmm. It's sinister. It's very sinister. And we should not have to look, we should not have to think the term green should not be weaponized against us. It it should not be. And 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 a smart grid should be a smart grid and not a system of control, but that's what it is. And to, to look at it in any other way is to, and this doesn't need to be woo-woo. This is not woo-woo talk. This is just straight up, look at it, look at the facts, follow the money, follow the research. And in a lot of this, the non-research, the research that hasn't happened. I mean, look at cell phones. We're just now getting in real data from 30 years, it take you know 30 years, and now what's what's growing? Cancer rates. Where's can- cancer rates are growing in the head? Well, now they're saying, well, those tumors where that person is holding up their cell phone to the you know that ear for 20 years, and that tumor is not the the cell phone type, the the cell wave type cancer. I call BS on that. That's clearly connected to me. And don't insult me by telling me that's not connected. And, and, and women carrying cell phones in their bras, you know, and, and then the breast cancer that happens, right, happens synchronistically right there. Is this a coincidence? Or in, you know, people in their pockets and that's where they get cancer? Come on. I mean, we need to stop. And, and and look at things in in a realistic way, in a reasonable way, and ask questions and not just take what an authority figure is telling us, who's oftentimes paid by these entities, right, uh, to toe the line. It's like Philip Morris, the whole thing with that, you know? Right. It, it's scary. I remember reading this article that talked about like chemicals and like chemicals in carpets in particular. And they were linking that to um, uh, the, the reason men have like a really low sperm count mm-hmm. nowadays. Like it's been a significant issue, I guess. But um, it's this chemical that affects boys and it's like used in the carpet making process. So you can imagine young like kids, you know, on the carpet or crawling on the carpet, just getting all this chemicals all over their bodies. So, I mean, back in the, the day- From the off-gassing, yeah, terrible. Right, 
back in the day you had the whole lead paint thing. So yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot to be concerned about. And unfortunately there isn't really an easy way to, you know, well, Scarlet, remove yourself from the grid, I guess, but there's a, there's a dark side. There's a conspiratorial side to the lead paint even. So what does lead do? Lead shields you from certain rays. Lead shield, shields so lead actually protects you from some of these these waves that are transmitted out through dirty electricity and it's ironic that it became so yes if you eat it like anything like eating tuna these days you're going to get heavy metal poisoning and uh but there is this other side to that story where lead paint was actually shielding people and protecting them from these currents. So I just, I want that to just be out there that lead paint was never an enemy. You shouldn't, you know, you sh- it doesn't matter what kind of paints on your wall, your child shouldn't be chewing on it. <laughs> you know, I'm sure latex isn't great to chew on also. So, uh, there's a there's a there's always a, another angle to look at. There's always another facet, and we shouldn't we should we should I don't want to say we should we should always question narratives that are coming at us and be open to other to data that is not being sold to us from just one angle. It, I think it's it's part of. And this goes back to that occult mindset, by the way, is to question your reality, question the things around you. And you don't have to do it in in a flippant way. You don't have to be, you, you know, it, 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 you can be a real investigator in your own life and question things for yourself that, that affect you. And you may find that these things that affect you affect other people and the other people around you are not aware of it. You know, just because someone in a an apparent authority figure uh, tells you something doesn't mean you have to take that on without questioning them. It's our right, it's our duty to question this reality, and, and, and this actually ties into the whole Knox Mentate situation. Is when you're dreaming, you start noticing little things that are weird and you question it and what makes you become lucid in a dream things that are often weird you question like oh you know i'm in the house and all this but that's weird that's never been there before and like oh my god i'm dreaming and you know all of a sudden you're awake in the dream well this applies to our daily lives this applies to our waking life and this this principle should should be something we give our kids and our friends and it's a gift to to present all angles of a story of a narrative before making a judgment what happened to being reasonable yeah and we've gotten our rebel spirits rousing with this conversation and (laughs) are we at 45 minutes (laughs) well no they actually the 45 minute mark never came through so we're 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 good good. but we are getting towards the end and to sort of wrap things up i'm wondering nish like granted that the world is like becoming much more gridlocked and much more 
strange and dystopian. And granted that you've been doing the witchy thing for years, like how, what advice would you give to our listeners to sort of like drop out of the system? And how do we like sort of in a radical way, like build authentic lives with magic or with witchcraft and spirituality? Like what's your advice for our listeners? Well, like I've been saying, my main my main advice is because I'm not one that actually likes to give advice. I think we need to stumble through and 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 learn, you know, I'm one for learning by experience and it's great to listen to other people, but remember you're driving your car. You know, this is your life. And so that which I've been saying is question your reality and question the narratives that are being spun around you. I think this is the greatest gift you can give yourself. Allow yourself space to hear other narratives that may be things you don't want to hear, that maybe actually you think you hate, and at least hear them. Let them let them have the space to be and and then you can move forward. And as far as culturally, I actually have a positive outlook on everything. So I'm not, I'm not doom and gloom at all. I, and, but I do think opting out through passive resistance is a good thing. Like just do not participate. And I know that's a big deal. So like say something like, uh, it's going to take a, this is a big deal. It's going to take a lot of people to start questioning how we're being governed. And just think about that for a minute. Think about the word be, think about the idea of being governed because that's what we are. There's not a lot of free will. It's, it's an apparent free will. There's a lot of constraints going on and it's getting deeper. We're deeper into it. And so by us coming together, instead of being torn apart as the folk, as the people over really silly things to me, in my opinion, is skin color because skin color is just that it's skin deep. We need to come together. We need to get past this. Come on now. Let's get post Rachel and, and, and move on. Let's get back to where we were in the seventies, where we were like coming together and, uh, and start looking at who's really controlling us and start opting out in passive ways. I don't think it has to be aggressive. I don't, but I am all for like, say like the yellow vest movement and it's all over Europe right now. I do think people are tired of being controlled and having every aspect of their life under under a microphone, under a microscope, and under surveillance. We need to be able to breathe. And by opting out and saying no, it's our right to say no. It's your right to say no. You don't have to acquiesce to everything. I think we can create a new space, a new dream. And so that's you know, that's basically what I would say, what I do say. Yeah, I really like that. And, you know, the passive resistance, it's sort of like a personal thing. You just have to like 
have the balls to just drop out of the mm -hmm. system, but um, you're, you don't have to hurt anybody along the way, except your, your own self and your own fears. But well, it's a, it's all about confronting your fears. Right. And that's part of the catharsis of living. <laughs> We've got to walk towards the fears. We need to not safe spaces are great. If you're, if you're really tender and you need a safe space, but in the end, all roads right now as it exists, all roads, the quadrillion roads lead to one point death. You're going to have to walk that path eventually. So it's get up and, and move forward. You know, let's, and, and, and lucidity only happens in the now. So in a dream, when you become lucid, which is being awake within the dream, that doesn't happen by thinking about the past or the future. That's when you realize I'm awake right now. Oh my God, I'm dreaming and I'm awake. That's the nowness. And that's at the heart of all the occult. I love that. I, and I, I've heard you um, hint at that idea before and I've been honestly applying it in my life like right now i'm lucid in this dream yes <laughs> so yes. it's pretty fun <laughs> but this was an awesome conversation nish and per usual we barely scratched the surface and we know we could keep going for a while but we're gonna have to wrap this up right now so for our listeners where can they find more out about you your work um give us the details uh, well, noxmente.com, you can, in our podcast is anywhere podcasts are, and that'll link you up. We have a YouTube channel, which we do live every Wednesday, uh, 6 p.m. Pacific time. And that's always fun, the live shows. I have a personal channel where I do time arts music videos that's uh, on this connected. So if you go to Knox Monte's YouTube channel, which is Vox's Nate, and it says your host, there's mine where you can see that. Uh, and I have a new show coming out called Way the Crucible, which is about art. And so it's not out yet. We've bagged many interviews, but I'll let you know when that happens. Oh, awesome. Thank you. Yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> Well, thanks again for chatting with us today. This was a super fun conversation. And for our listeners, definitely check out Nish and the Knox Mente podcast. It, and I want to thank you both. You're, you're wonderful. I'm hoping for the best. This is a great podcast. It's really, really great. You guys stand out. You do. And uh, it's been a great pleasure. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Okay, wonderful. Well, that was super fun. Um, we should probably have this podcast out on Monday. So you can keep um, an eye out for probably Dan will message you when the episode is up. So if you want to share that. Oh, yeah, um, I will. Yes. Yeah, that'd be great. So keep an eye out um, around Monday for, for a message from us. And we're super excited to get this episode out and share it with our listeners. Thank you. It was a real pleasure. Like I said, I'm behind you to a hundred percent. I just hope for the best. This is the, from the name, your icon right there, your sigil. I mean, come on. Yeah. So great. <laughs> it's just so great. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So best of luck. And keep up the great work with Knox Mente. I, like I said, it's truly one of my favorites. Um, and I, and I really have sort of, you know, in a way copied your style inadvertently like 
just going straight to the meat, you know, like, Oh yeah, do it. Like get real personal, like ask about the person, not just like, so what's your new book about? You know, I know that. And that's my pearl of wisdom for you. There's so you, so you get a guest on and you can hear what they're pushing on a million different podcasts, get personal and get the juicy information, have these, these intimate conversations and that paired with the astrological talk, topic and the astrology of the day and all that you're going to be up there at the top well that's great to hear and yeah nish if you you dropped the uh the new art podcast i'm if if you're still looking for a guest i would love (laughs) i'd love to be on that show still I'm booking you. I already told you that. So when we get Michael's got like, he's in editing hell right now. So, but I already told him and I think he followed you maybe on Instagram. He's a flying saucepan. Yeah, and, I think he did. Yeah. Yeah. So I already queued him in. You're already on the list and we thrilled to, I love, love what you're doing. So yeah. Do you know when the show is going to premiere? I don't know, but I will let you know. Cause I, I'll yeah, let, I want to catch, you know, me aside. I'd l- really like to hear, hear it once it's available. Well, we're not doing it live. So it's going to be a straight, like an old school podcast. And mm-hmm. um, because he wanted more polished, although the first he's having editing issues, I'm sure you can relate. And <laughs> so he's, uh, you know, he's in the, he's working all that out, but he's got a website and all that. I just show up. I'm like princess. <laughs> <laughs> I show up and talk. I nice. love it. Yeah. So I'll keep you informed on that and we'll get you booked for sure. And um, keep me filled in. And it's easier for me. I can't figure Instagram out. You can't share on Instagram, right? The only link, so Instagram isn't good for linking. Like usually you have to, the, the only thing you can click in Instagram is in your bio. So a lot of people just say link in bio and then send people to their bio link. Mm-hmm. You could also put like, it's called link tree where you um, make a link tree that you click in the bio and then it opens up more clickable stuff. But if you just put like a hyperlink in like the uh, comment on Instagram, it's unclickable. So that's kind of how they've been rolling for a while. It drives me crazy. So on Twitter, though, I'm, I'll push you guys as much as I can. It, it just needs to, like, it, and please feel free to, because I, I only, I don't hang out there. So feel free to link me in DM so I can push your podcast. Yeah, and we can send, I know you on Nox Mente have, released episodes that you or jerry are featured on we can send you the complete mp3 um if you want to share it yeah and i and if i don't know if you would want us to include our forecasting section or if you want me to just send you our interview it's whatever you prefer no oh do the whole show please and uh yeah get that to me so i can get it to jerry and yeah he'll jerry does all this stuff like i said i'm like it's princess treatment. I just interview. Uh, I don't even call it interviews. You two. Uh, <laughs> these are interactions when you're getting juicy and talking, right? I mean, that's more, it's more comfortable. Like it's a chit chat. So yeah, give me the, 
full episode. I want people to experience that. I mean, that's a big part of your show, which makes it stand out and it also extra great. For sure. Yeah. 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 I'll, I'll email it to you probably late Sunday, early Monday when, when I'm, when it's all complete. Yeah. And we'll get it posted up on our, our site too. Awesome. (laughs) Yay. This was great. Yeah. I can't wait till the next time we get to talk and chat. It was really fun. Yeah, we'll definitely. We'll cross pollinate. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> All right, well, have a great day, Nish, and thanks again. All right, folks, thank you for listening to the full interview we had with Nish. We had a pleasure talking with her. Um, don't forget, this week is giveaway week. We, as we said, are giving away Goddess at Home, a very beautiful book, and also Raven's Wand Oracle, very beautiful deck, to one lucky listener that needs to just write one review with their social media handle tagged in the review, and bang. Free stuff. Free stuff. <laughs> um and yeah, as you are writing that review, don't forget to share the show with friends. Sign up for our Patreon if you are interested in becoming a patron. And keep listening and keep being your awesome selves. Exactly. So definitely enter the giveaway and we will talk to you next week. See you later, guys. Bye.